This is uh, the first of my talks on geography, and this one is on climate change. Firstly, what is the evidence for our climate changing? Well, we know that the climate has changed not just in recent years, but over the long term, right throughout history. Not just throughout human history, but throughout geologic history. We can see the evidence for this in a variety of ways. You know, we've got the human historical record, which tells us you know, about what people have written down over the last millennium, uh, exactly what has happened and what the weather and climate has been like and how that has changed. We can look back in the pollen record by either getting pollen from peat bogs or things of that sort and having a look at the different types of pollen that we find at different depths and this indicates the type of climate that was present at that time. We can also use dendrochronology which is looking at tree rings and using tree rings of some of the very old trees that we have around can build a record going back hundreds if not thousands of years. Obviously the thinner a ring the worse the temperature and the worse the climate in that year and the thicker the ring the better the conditions were and so we can build up a picture of climate through time. We also can use isotope analysis from ice cores uh, from the Arctic and Antarctic from ocean floor sediment analysis. This isotope analysis looks at the balance of oxygen isotopes that were present in the atmosphere at that time and that again gives us an indication of what the temperature was like to, likely to have been at that particular time in history. Obviously humans have not been around for that long and we've only really in the last century plus been able to really influence the climate of the earth. So why does the climate change? without human influence? Well, there are several reasons why the climate can change. First of all, there are the astronomical re reasons. These are called the Milankovitch cycles after a gentleman that put together these astronomical cycles and was able to predict when past ice ages could have happened. And when this has been matched up with the geologic record, a lot of the predictions that Milankovitch came up with matched up with when we know there were previous ice ages. The three main uh, astronomical cycles that are going on are first of all the axis of the Earth precesses. It goes around. It's a bit like a spinning top. If you spin a top, the axis will turn around. That's the first. The second is the angle of tilt changes through time that angle of rotation and that tends to be in a sort of 41,000 year cycle. The precession, the sort of wobble, is in round about a 19 to 23,000 year cycle. And then we also have the orbit of the Earth around the Sun which changes its shape and its shape can change at a 100,000 year, 100, year cycle or a 400,000 year cycle. So when you start to put all of these things together you can predict times when the Earth was further away from the Sun and more likely to be cooler, hence bringing the onset of a glaciation. So we have always had these elements of climate change. 
to deal with. Yeah, the Earth can also trigger off climate change. I mean, volcanic activity can have a marked effect. I mean, if we have a very large volcano exploding you know, in the current time, it can throw up an awful lot of uh, material into the upper atmosphere, and it have a, can have a cooling effect, which can last you know, several years uh, when it's a really massive explosion. And through history, we have had really some quite cataclysmic explosions which have destroyed civilizations. Uh, for example, the early Minoan civilization in the Mediterranean uh, really was stopped dead by the explosion uh, of a volcano at what is now the island of Santorini in the Mediterranean, a really massive explosion that wiped out that civilization. And the weather really around the globe changed significantly after that uh, particular eruption. So volcanic activity does vary uh, through time and sometimes uh, really massive eruptions can have a very significant effect, uh, either locally or even indeed globally. There are other things going on that can have an impact as well. Um, things like the Rosby waves which contain the jet streams which go around the globe. These can move and that sort of shift in the Rosby waves or jet streams uh, over a period of time can have a significant impact on uh, the planet's climate. Now when we discuss climate change the greenhouse effect tends to come up. The greenhouse effect is something that is fairly natural. It, uh, without it, in fact, we wouldn't actually be able to live as human beings on the earth. It would be too cold. We have an atmosphere and that atmosphere traps some of the heat we get from the sun. Virtually all of the heat that we have, all of the energy that we have on this planet comes from the sun ultimately. And the radiation coming in on a daily basis, some of that is absorbed by the Earth's surface, some of it is absorbed by the atmosphere, and some of it's reflected back out into space. But the atmosphere and a lot of the gases that are in the atmosphere have the ability, just like the panes on a, a, a greenhouse, to hold in that heat a little bit. And because we have you know, gases like water vapour and carbon dioxide and methane in the atmosphere, these trap the heat in the atmosphere and it keeps the temperature at a level uh, that can sustain human life. So without that atmospheric blanket, uh, the temperature would be rather cold in this earth. But of course, that is the natural greenhouse effect. And climate change nowadays is about how we have changed that greenhouse effect, the enhanced greenhouse effect, by pumping more greenhouse gases into the atmosphere through human activity. You know, we can look at uh, climate in a, a range of scales. I've already mentioned we, we know now when many of the ice ages in the past happened, when the temperature really was uh, much colder than it is at present, and you know, up to half the globe was covered in ice. And there have also been warm periods in between these glaciations. And we started coming out of the last glaciation round about 10,000 years ago. And really from round about 8,000 years ago, we've been living in a relatively warm period. Now, the, that warm period has had ups and downs as well. Uh, round about 1400, 
the temperature start to dip and it really got quite cold round about the 1600s you know we were in the middle of what we call the little ice age uh, it's at a time when glaciers uh, started to advance in Norway and there were icebergs which were coming further south in the North Sea and the River Thames and many other rivers in the UK froze over each winter and we had that period of cooling you know for three four hundred years and really only um, you know towards the end of the 1800s were we starting to come out of that war uh, that cooling period but since about 1800 or so we have been in a gradually warming world certainly from the middle of the 1800s the trajectory of temperature has been upward and it's bumped along with there being dips and uh, bumps along the way but generally it's been an upward move in terms of temperature it's been particularly noticeable since the 1980s in the last 40 years or so we have seen a very steep increase in temperature and those of us old enough to have lived through that you know, will have examples to indicate you know that the climate is not what it was you know, in 1980 i regularly skied in scotland for oh months at a time you know, we would ski from november through to easter each year now there's rarely enough snow in the hills to ski in one day let alone for several months uh, so the climate has changed quite dramatically over the last 40 years what we do know is that when we trace what has happened over the last 600,000 years or so we know that when the earth's being in cooler periods there's been less CO2 around when we're in warmer periods the amount of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere is significantly higher and then when we look at what's happened really since around 1850 is the amount of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere has increased quite dramatically and the bulk of that has been from human activity either industrial activity burning in the homes uh, coal fires wooden fires all of that and of course cars airplanes ships you name it all producing emissions which eventually end up in the atmosphere and so we know that carbon dioxide concentration now is at the highest point it's been at in the last 600,000 years and the reason for it can only be increased human activity causing the emissions which have caused the, the amount of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere to grow. Now we've been looking at um, global temperature increases really for decades now and in 1990 NASA came out with a prediction that if we didn't do something about carbon dioxide in the atmosphere there were a range of possibilities in terms of temperature warming. They did indicate that the temperature was going to warm and it's interesting looking back on that prediction in 1990 we're pretty much on the middle path of warming over a degree warming uh, since uh, really since 1960 so yeah it's quite a significant amount of warming and there's no sign of that slowing down in recent predictions uh, many of them indicate that significant warming will take place it could be up as high as four degrees above the 1960 norm or it could be 
possibly only a degree and a half above, but that would entail quite a lot of activity to reduce carbon dioxide uh, emissions into the atmosphere. At the same time that we know that carbon dioxide has been increasing in the atmosphere, we can see the impact that that's had on the climate. The amount of Arctic sea ice since 1978 has been declining virtually year on year, quite a steep drop in the amount of sea ice. So that's one thing with the ocean warming, we've got a lot less sea ice. The level of the sea, the rise in sea level, you know, really since the 1990s has been quite significant. And since 1993, sea level has risen round about 90 millimetres. And it's been a fairly steady rise year on year over that time. It might sound like a little, but there's no sign of that rise in sea level changing. And the impact can already be seen in some areas of the world where sea level is rising faster than that. You know, in the tropical latitudes, where the sea warms more, there's a lot of thermal expansion, and that has meant that sea level has risen considerably more there than in northern latitudes. So, what can we do to reduce global warming at that global scale? Well, we can use alternative refrigerants to fluorocarbons in refrigerators and uh, other uh, uh, machines that re require that sort of uh, material. We can reduce food waste. We can encourage a plant-rich diet as an alternative to a very heavily meat-based diet, particularly in the wealthier countries. We can preserve and replant tropical forest. And the forests take carbon dioxide in and breathe out oxygen. And that's a natural way to affect that carbon capture. But there are other carbon capture initiatives which have an impact as well. Wetlands, peatlands, coastal habitats could be restored to ensure that they can retain more carbon. We can change farming practices. We could use things such as biochar in agriculture, which is carbon mixed in with the soil, which has got a... a, a an effect of changing the structure of the soil uh, but still retaining the carbon in the soil. We can utilise more wood as a material in our buildings and then replace that wood and then in a sense that wood is trapping the carbon. We can increase natural inorganic reactions which again uh, hold carbon and of course, yeah, as technology improves, we could bury CO2 a bit more. There's already a plant doing this in Iceland. And if that technology proves efficient, uh, that sort of thing will uh, be possible in other locations. And it may be more possible to take CO2 directly out of the atmosphere. And there are lots of experiments working on that at the present. We obviously have to look at alternatives to fossil fuels for heat and for power production and at the same time stop subsidising fossil fuels. We can look at combining trees in areas for pasture, you know, something called silvopasture. We can reduce emissions from transport. All of these things can help. But what is going to happen to future climate if we stopped all of these emissions today? 
Well, the bad news is the warming impact will persist for centuries. There is no way we're going to stop the atmosphere warming and our planet warming, even if all the emissions were stopped tomorrow. Man-made gases will persist in the atmosphere long after emissions cease. And this is sometimes called the climate commitment to current concentrations. So global temperature will not respond quickly to changes in the greenhouse gas, uh, gas concentrations. The inertia in that climate system delays the temperature response. And the long-term global temperature is largely controlled by the total amount of carbon dioxide emissions that we have accumulated over time, irrespective of the time when they are emitted. So the world will continue to warm. What we really want to do is to slow down that warming and stop it getting to an excessive level. And that concludes uh, today's podcast on climate change. If you're interested in finding out more about climate change, you might want to have a look at my book, The Atmosphere and Climate Change, available uh, on Kindle or paperback uh, from Amazon. And you can get more details on my books and other free materials that teachers can download from www.richiecunningham.com. And that's R-I-T-C-H-I-E-C-U-N-N-I-N-G-H-A-M. So www.richiecunningham.com. Thank you, and goodbye for now.